The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This hour of the Costa Report is brought to you by IBM. Big data at the speed of business. Welcome to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and thank you for joining me for another two hours of Straight Talk Radio. I want to take a moment to welcome new listeners who are joining us in Florida today, and also members of our armed forces who are tuning in over the internet. Thank you for being with us. In just a moment, the man responsible for releasing the Pentagon Papers to the public, and who has been called the first modern whistleblower, Mr. Daniel Ellsberg, will be here to talk about the real meaning of government transparency. In this day of lightning-fast communications where information travels as quickly to our enemies as it does to our citizens, is transparency dangerous? Ellsberg's going to answer that question and also weigh in on the fate of Edward Snowden, Julian Assange, and Bradley Manning. But before Mr. Ellsberg joins us, as is my custom each week, let me tell you a little about his background. Daniel Ellsberg was born in Chicago, Illinois. He earned his undergraduate degree and Ph.D. in economics from Harvard University, where he published Risk, Ambiguity, and Decision, which marked the beginning of the Ellsberg Paradox. Between 1954 and 57, Ellsberg served in the U.S. Marine Corps as a platoon leader, operations officer, and rifle company commander. Then in 59, he joined the RAND Corporation as a consultant to the U.S. Defense Department and White House. Five years later, he was appointed special assistant to Assistant Secretary of Defense John McNaughton. Ellsberg worked for two years for the State Department at the U.S. Embassy in Saigon before returning to the RAND Corporation to work on a top-secret study for then-Secretary of Defense Robert McNamara. And this is where Ellsberg's story takes an unexpected turn. Ellsberg turned whistleblower, copying a 7,000-page report which exposed government wrongdoing, a document which came to be known as the Pentagon Papers. The New York Times and Washington Post began publishing the document, and Ellsberg was charged with 12 felony counts, carrying a sentence of 115 years. But after two years, the charges were dropped, owing to overwhelming evidence that the same individuals who were later convicted of the Watergate break-in were guilty of criminal misconduct in Ellsberg's case. Since that time, Mr. Ellsberg has been a vocal activist for government transparency and oversight, in addition to authoring several books and speaking on on behalf of other whistleblowers, he is the recipient of the Gandhi Peace Award, the Ron Ridenour Courage Prize, and the Right Livelihood Award. It's my pleasure to welcome to the Costa Report a man who risked life in prison for exposing the truth, Mr. Daniel Ellsberg. Welcome to the program, Mr. Ellsberg. Thank you very much. That was very uh, thorough and and an accurate uh, description of my background. Thanks a lot. Well, thank you. I'll, I'll let our researchers know they got it right. <laughs> They'll appreciate <laughs> that's always, that. That's not always the case. I hate to start a program by correcting the introduction. and I, I rarely do. I just let it pass. So I thought it's worthy of mention if it didn't need any correction. <laughs> well, thank you. I, I know they're all nodding their heads and patting themselves on the back at this moment. Now, uh, Mr. Ellsberg, it is difficult to believe that it's been more than four decades since the Pentagon Papers went public. And I believe you were one of the first people to be tried under the 1917 Espionage Act. Uh, But as I mentioned earlier, all the charges against you were dropped. So for listeners today who may not be familiar with the reasons the charges were dismissed, I wonder if you'd mind if we start there, because I I think this will serve as a reminder of exactly what whistleblowers face when they come forward. Okay. Well, first of all, I <laughs> we'll start with a correction here. I wasn't one of the first. I was the first, actually, which is uh, not to claim precedence here. The point is that before me, 
uh, although the Espionage Act, so-called, which passed in 1917, was uh, over 50 years old, over half a century old, has never been used against someone who gave information to the American public. It was, uh, that is, leaked, un, uh, unauthorized disclosure of information. There had been plenty of leaks before then, and of course after then, but uh, no one had ever been prosecuted because, uh, not to spend a whole hour on this, but because we, have, we had a revolution, uh, which Britain did not. We have a First Amendment, which Britain does not, and I mention that because, therefore, we don't have an official secrets act, which Britain does an act that criminalizes all, any and all disclosures of classified information, regardless of intent or motive or effect. And we don't have such a law. We have the Espionage Act, which was passed to uh, stop people from giving information, above all, to an enemy in wartime, secretly, and uh, against, uh, willfully against the interests of the United States. So the intention was fairly clearly, at the time it was passed, not to apply to... Americans who gave information to the American public. Uh, to be now, sure. the charges against you were completely yeah. dropped, and they were dropped yes, the uh, because the judge really had no choice, uh, the, given the amount of evidence that was presented. There, there was well, really the, no alternative. The days went by as one more uh, one violation after another of uh, laws and the Constitution against me were revealed, and indeed, uh, the judge kept it going uh, surprisingly long for a couple of weeks. It was a wonderful period because day after day, uh, the crimes for which President Nixon faced impeachment later and which led him out of office was being revealed. But what uh, came out then was that the people working under the White House, uh, under the Oval Office for President Nixon, including a former CIA and a former FBI, uh, Howard Hunt and a former FBI agent, Gordon Liddy, uh, and a number of Cubans who were former or current assets of the CIA worked on the Bay of Pigs and whatnot. They had, for example, uh, gone in, burglarized the office of my former psychoanalyst in Los Angeles, uh, looking for information uh, that they could blackmail me with. Actually, it's it's often said that they were looking for information to slander me with or hurt my reputation. Exactly. They Actually, wanted to discredit you as a source. Well, yes and no. That was misleading because I'd already put out the Pentagon Papers. I was on trial for it. Mm-hmm. And what they wanted was information they could threaten me to put oh, out, let me know that they had it, and keep me from revealing more. And the, the key thing there, and we'll, we'll come back to this, I think, the key thing was that they feared with reason that I had information on the Nixon administration itself that I could yet put out that wasn't in the Pentagon Papers, which which ended before Nixon came into office. And they wanted to threaten me illegally uh, <clears throat> to keep me from putting out that further information that he was threatening nuclear war at the time over Vietnam to North Vietnam in particular. That was their concern. They wanted that to be secret. Then uh, when they didn't find information they could use then in the office, uh, they were illegally overhearing me on wiretaps that were without a warrant, which were in those days illegal and uh, were up till today, until 2006, when the uh, current uh, Bush administration wiretaps without warrants were were somewhat legalized by mm-hmm. the Congress. Mm-hmm. And then uh, they brought people up to shut me up physically on the steps of the Capitol on May 3, 1972, a dozen Cubans up from Miami with orders, quote, to incapacitate Ellsberg totally. Now, this was an all-out campaign, and I want listeners to understand that it was all documented, all proven in a court of yeah. law, that that these orders were coming directly from the highest yeah. office in the nation. And, and in those days, all these things were clearly, unmistakably criminal. Now, you were talking about, you told me earlier you wanted to talk about contrast between that day and this. A very unhappy uh, change is that virtually all of those things have become legalized by the by the Congress, or at least by their failure to object, for example, to President Obama's announcement that, or acknowledgement that he picks people, even American citizens, uh, for death uh, by drone or otherwise by special forces, uh, a, a kill list, sort of, which corresponds to this incapacitated Ellsberg totally. Well, in those days... That confronted Nixon with possible impeachment, and he had to resign. Uh, these days, it, it, uh, after 9-11, it evokes no big, great resistance. But, of course, the, un, the warrantless 
wire, uh, the warrantless wiretapping uh, has now been legalized by Congress, although, strictly speaking, uh, they really can't overturn the Fourth Amendment constitutionally just by majority vote. So I would say it still remains unconstitutional, and that has not been uh, judged by the Supreme Court. We're going to have to take our first commercial break, but when we right. come back, uh, I'd like to continue to talk about this because clearly after the Pentagon Papers, we saw progress in government transparency, the Freedom of Information Act, the FISA Court, and many of this, uh, these things, as you point out, were reversed after 9-11. So we'll come back and pick the story up right there. You're listening to the Costa Report. Hi, I'm Amy Tobin, cookbook author and culinary expert. Strawberries, blueberries, blackberries, and raspberries. Dole has a bounty of berries ripe for the picking. Fresh berries are not only delicious, but some of the most powerful disease-fighting foods available. Researchers have found that berries have some of the highest antioxidant levels of any fresh fruits. So add a handful or two of your favorite berries to your next meal and enjoy their nutritional benefits and natural sweetness in all of your dishes, from salads to desserts and everything in between. For fresh tips and ideas from Dole's berry experts, visit berries.dole.com. And be sure to check out the pages of mouth-watering recipes. Whether it's a sweet and savory blueberry-cranberry chicken salad or a simple strawberry sorbet, Dole has the perfect berry to inspire your next berrylicious dish. The holiday season is just around the corner, and I want to share one of my favorite tips for being able to avoid that last-minute dash to buy something that screams, I didn't put much thought into this. Now imagine a different scenario this year. Imagine the surprise on your loved one's face when they open the first page of the Watchman's Rattle and see a custom dedication in their name by the author. The best part is it's so easy. Just go to RebeccaCosta.com, do it right now, and click on the book cover and presto. In less than three minutes, you can request the inscription you want. So do it now. Go to RebeccaCosta.com, and this year, give an affordable, thoughtful gift that says, this is for you and only you. That's RebeccaCosta.com. Here's a question for the season. What can we get the person who has everything? Everything like an RV, a Class B motorhome, horse trailer, boat trailer, toy hauler. Well, let's check with Rena Mills at RV Service Center, 2525 Mission, way up at the top of Santa Cruz. Rena, what can we get the person who has just about everything? The perfect gift for the person who has everything is a gift certificate from RV Service Center. Well, what makes a gift certificate from RV Service Center a perfect gift? Because the person who has everything can use it for whatever they need to keep their rigs rolling. But that's not all. I'll bet you have something to make the perfect gift even more perfect. What is it, Rena? Sure do, Michael. RV Service Center will give each holiday gift certificate recipient an additional 20% off service and accessories. It's our way of saying thank you for keeping your business local. Wow, that's like a gift within a gift. Happy holidays from your friends at RV Service Center. 2525 Mission, way up at the top of Santa Cruz. If you're like me, you like to put things that taste good in your mouth and masticate. But it's even better when you use items that you don't have to masticate. One such item is the Slender FX Shake, either chocolate or vanilla flavor. All you need is some ice, a blender, and a scoop or two of this delicious Longevity Meal Replacement Protein Shake. Throw in an egg or some fresh fruit of your choice if you wish. But seriously, just the Slender FX powder, water, and ice is all you will really need for a terrific meal you can drink. Slender FX is available in canisters here at the KSCO Mineral Garage or online at kscohealth.com. You might try going on a five-day Slender FX shake cleanse regimen. I did it a few years back and easily lost 15 pounds with no effort nor cravings at all. You know, that's a great idea. I'll do that again starting right now. That's why I must end this commercial. Bye-bye.
Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and my guest today is Daniel Ellsberg. And before the break, you were making the point that uh, many of the changes which um, uh, caused the charges against you to be dropped, such as warrantless wiretapping and searches, physical threats, and so on, have become legal owing to the government's response following 9-11. And I believe you've even gone so far as to say that uh, the Obama administration would likely seek a life sentence if your case happened today. I, that is, I'm sure, the case. If I, uh, <clears throat> if I was revealing something equivalent to the Pentagon Papers today, I have no doubt that I would be facing the same fate as Chelsea Manning or uh, the exiled, in effect, um, Ed Snowden right now that they would be uh, seeking a life sentence. I I think it's fair to say that when it comes to Snowden, Manning, even Julian Assange, uh, the public has an impression that they were reckless and that it was that carelessness that uh, posed a threat. But in truth, we now know that these individuals were extremely discriminating in what was released to the public and because they had access to many more highly classified documents that they chose not to release. So, so help us understand exactly what danger has been traced to the documents that were released. Well, of course, at the beginning, uh, when the release occurred, <clears throat> high intelligence officials all unanimously more or less said these people will have blood on their hands there will be lives lost uh, many lives lost perhaps and uh, terrible damage to our intelligence operations actually it's four years now since chelsea manning revealed uh, hundreds of thousands of cables and documents something i couldn't do at that time in the pre-digital age but uh not one instance of actual harm to a person uh has been brought forth and that uh, includes during her trial and including secret sessions during the trial when they they looked at classified information and they were not able to bring up one single instance actually of actual harm to anyone in contrast to what they'd predicted the same true with snowden in effect uh, and of course the same charges were made against me uh 40 years ago now 40 years you know after years had gone by i think people came to appreciate uh, there had been no harm actually in my revealing the thousands of pages of top-secret documents. And in this case, in Snowden's case now, it's been more than a year. And again, no actual instance has come up, even though they uh, they talk about it in general, mm-hmm. that, uh, that it was harmful. Mm-hmm. So now, now Manning was sentenced to 35 years in military prison. As far right. as we know, Edward Snowden is uh, stuck in Russia since his last petition for asylum in Europe was rejected. Uh, Julian yeah. Assange has been holed up in the Ecuadorian embassy in London since uh, J- June of 2012, and he's now reporting that his health is deteriorating. You have made the point that if more whistleblowers came forward, uh, the government uh, could not persecute the handful in the way that they do. And, and that, of course, that makes perfect sense. But given what's happening to these three examples, can you blame others for not rushing forward? No. It's, the government, of course, wants to make a very sharp example of uh, any one example of this, lest there be two. And if there were two, uh, lest there be three. And if people start doing it, they, they rightly fear, I think, that a lot of people would access the information that has been wrong withheld, of which there's always a great deal in any government, not just ours, uh, that they'll start to act on their conscience uh, rather than their career and inform the public. So they want to they want to uh, tamp that down hard, as in my case, which, as I say, was the first uh, attempt to criminalize these leaks. And it's easy to see why they did it in my case. Uh, I copied 7,000 pages, of which I gave 4,000 to the newspapers. There were a number of volumes that dealt with negotiations, and I didn't want to have the effect or be accused of having the effect of stopping negotiations. I wanted to help end the war, not to uh, not to stop negotiations. So I withheld those and gave those only to the Senate and uh, Foreign Relations Committee. And I, as you mentioned earlier, correctly, that uh, both Snowden and uh, Manning did in fact, give only material that they felt personally was not would not be harmful. And so it has proved, although, of course, they could have made a mistake. I would not have been astonished if their, their judgment, or for that matter, my judgment, had proven wrong. 
But uh, in this case, it's it's been upheld. But quite the point well. is that they didn't release everything they had. In fact, they had they a lot of very harmful had. information, and they and they chose not to do it because it it, it potentially could have caused um, uh, death uh, and other kinds of damages. So they were very discriminating. I think that's something that's lost in the media's reporting of what well, was. Well, they've released. almost never reported that that each of them had access. This is especially true where the the gap in. in Public impression is especially true with, with Manning because they have the impression that this young uh, person without without experience had released everything he could get his hands on. He and yes, that he was reckless, and yeah, that he was reckless and indiscriminate. And in fact, uh, he chose to put out only material that was at a secret level or. Uh, not limited distribution. Uh, this is material, by the way, when I was in the Pentagon that I never felt I had time to look at. It was too low level. And uh, I'm surprised, uh, in a way, at how much uh, interesting information about U.S. crimes, really, of turning people over to torture and so forth, was classified only at the secret level. Apparently, I had missed some uh, significant material, unless it's become so normal now to do that, that uh, they don't regard it as a big secret anymore. But what Manning had access to was uh, not only top secret, but a great deal of material that was higher than top secret in his work, daily work, and uh, put out put out none of that. So, in fact, uh, uh, as I say, all the material I put out was top secret. His was all secret or less or unclassified. Mm-hmm. So uh, the idea that he was indiscriminate is simply wrong. And as I say, his, his judgment has been validated since that no significant harm would uh, would occur. With all due and respect, say- Mr. Ellsberg, I have to say that uh, in looking at Manning receiving a 35-year sentence, in yeah. looking at Edward Snowden's plight, uh, mm-hmm. and also Julian Assange, uh, yes. it, it seems as though uh, we have not uh, treated these whistleblowers any differently than the persecution you experienced. Well, certainly not uh, not better, uh, but I think you're making the point that uh, you, you raised earlier. <clears throat> Has the government succeeded in deterring the other whistleblowers we need? Well, that remains to be seen. Uh, after all, it was 40 years between my case and another mass disclosure of that sort that was by Chelsea Manning. Uh, it was very dismaying to me. I, I would have hoped, uh, I would have thought that something on the scale of the Pentagon Papers revealing the almost continuous uh, misdoing, uh, wrongdoing or, or deceptive policy in one area or another, I would think that a Pentagon Papers is really needed or deserved about once a year uh, somewhere. But 40 years went by. But then... Uh, after it was clear that that Manning was being treated very harshly, including ten and a half months in total isolation cell uh, before public protest really got him out into a general population, but despite that, uh, that didn't deter Edward Snowden three years later, and he was uh, he did learn from Manning's case that a he could not get a fair trial in this country. Uh, if he stayed in this country, which is true, go back into that. And second, he had needed to be out of the country in order to to make the revelations. And, well, that's uh, a good I think point. He did what he had to do. Yeah, that's a very good point. And we're going to talk about that when we come back and also talk about the fact that the Senate had a chance to extend the whistleblower protection uh, to uh, government employees and subcontractors and failed to do so in 2010. Um, So we'll be right back after these important messages. You're listening to the Costa Report. Big data is changing the way organizations work. From data-driven marketing and ad targeting to the connected car, big data is fueling product innovation and new revenue opportunities. It's creating a culture in which business and IT leaders join forces to realize value from all data. They infuse analytics everywhere and make speed a differentiator, gaining competitive advantage from faster, more informed decisions. Leading organizations are creating new business models, developing new roles, and defining new big data architectures, including an infrastructure that can manage and process exploding volumes of structured and unstructured data, in motion as well as at rest, while protecting data privacy and security. Find out how IBM Big Data and Analytics can transform your business. Visit www.ibm.com slash big data today. 
Is your computer running real slow like this? Or are you getting the blue screen of death? Do you have to do a restart several times a session? Tired of viruses, spyware, malware, and slow, worthless tech support? Face it, it's too late to download another free PC fix-it program, thinking it'll be restored to out-of-box purity. Oh, no, 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 no. You need the fast, friendly computer pros at User-Friendly Computing. Just drop it off at their office at 505 River Street across from the Gateway Plaza, or give them a call at 831 423-9653, and they'll come to you. Mention KSCO and get a free $50 diagnostic. PC or Mac, desktop or laptop, they can do it all at user-friendly computing. Call 831-423-9653. Hi, registered pharmacist Ben Fuchs here. I've been studying healthy bodies for 35 years, and what I've got to tell you may shock and surprise you, but if you listen up, it may change your life. One of the most critical activities of the body is something called methylation, which is essentially a way that chemicals are turned on so they can do their work. Life is the result of endless chemical transformations. The methylation activation process where a little chunk of carbon is stuck on to biochemicals is critical for many of these chemical transformations to occur. No methylation, no activation. No activation, no chemicals. And no chemicals, no life. Actually, before no life comes crappy life, and that's known as heart disease, Alzheimer's disease, osteoporosis, wrinkles and thinning skin, and degenerative disease symptoms of all kinds. Methylation defects can accelerate the aging process, and healthy methylation keeps the fetus from developing birth defects. Methylation turns genes on and off, and defective or insufficient methylation is involved in the initiation of genetic changes that can cause mutations and ultimately lead to cancer. Mood and mental health are especially dependent on effective methylation. In fact, pretty much every single thing that happens in the body from thinking a thought to wiggling your toes to beating your heart to keeping cells running efficiently depends on some level at least on healthy methylation. I would say all that makes methylation and the methyl groups that are responsible for the process very important. Not surprisingly, nutritional supplements can improve methylation. The B vitamins, especially folic acid, can help. Betaine is an important element for healthy methylation too. And a supplement called SAMe, which is made in the body. Pharmacist Ben here urging you to go to kscohealth.com to order Beyond Tangy Tangerine the Healthy Start Pack, and other nutritional supplements that I personally use and recommend. You can purchase these premium quality products at wholesale prices online at kscohealth.com. That's kscohealth.com. I'm the pharmacist that believes that staying healthy and strong is not only about medicine, it's about giving your body the raw materials it needs to do its work. Go to kscohealth.com. Make sure you check out the cool videos, too, at kscohealth.com. That's kscohealth.com. <laughs> Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and if you're just joining us, my guest today is Daniel Ellsberg. And before the break, you were making the point that Edward Snowden learned from the Manning case and realized there was no opportunity for a fair trial in this country, which then caused him to seek asylum. When I say no opportunity, let me be precise. Uh, Manning, just like myself in my trial 40 years earlier, was not permitted under the Espionage Act charges to argue uh, either motive, uh, desire to benefit Americans and save American lives and uh, help end this war by uh, revealing truths, but no element, uh, no motive. Uh, why did I copy the Pentagon Papers? Uh, I was not allowed to answer that question, nor was Chelsea Manning uh, allowed to address that at all. Has there actually been any harmful effect? Have there been good effects which could be pointed to actually? Uh, in both cases, uh, none of that is to be discussed, meaning that uh, uh, when both Secretary of State Kerry and former uh, Secretary of State Hillary Clinton have both said that Snowden should come back to this country to argue his case in court and to the public, and neither of those is at all feasible, uh, whether, they, whether they realize that or not. They would not be able to argue their case in court under these charges, and nor in public. Uh, Chelsea Manning hasn't been interviewed by a reporter in the four years since she was first arrested. And uh, as I say, ten and a half months of those were in isolation. I think that Edward Snowden would be in isolation from the moment he set foot in this country 
for the rest of his life, really, and no reporter would talk to him. So, well, as you case, say, the, the court, yeah, the court will not allow you to justify breaking the law. Yeah. And, and under so, these under these charges, th- and, that's uh, correct. These charges the will not. Yeah the, the, yeah, the charges do not. Under these charges, you are not permitted to explain why it was in the greater good of the American public. Uh, right. and, and, and so as you, you call that motive, but, but clearly motive plays a huge role in why someone would put their entire life on the line to reveal these documents. Well, obviously so. And, uh, what we need is, uh, what Harvard law professor Yohai Benkler has been arguing for is a public interest defense, or as he calls it, a public accountability defense, which, uh, could be legislated by Congress and should be, and make it clear, amend the Espionage Act laws so as to make it clear that uh, you can argue such things in court. That's the only route to a fair trial or to public understanding of what you've done. Well, now let's talk about amendments. I mentioned before the break that in 2010, the Senate had an opportunity to expand the the protections for whistleblowers uh, who work for the government by creating a, a, a legal structured pathway for wrongdoing to be exposed, and um, they failed to put it through based on the impact that they said that it would have on the intelligence community. They claimed that they were worried it was going to open the door to more WikiLeaks-like disclosure of classified materials. Then two years later, in 2012, President Obama issued Presidential Directive 19, which did expand the protection of intelligence workers. Um, so what do you think? Are, are we getting back on track? Is there any hope here? Uh- not in that line, the, uh, not from Obama as of now. And by the way, I have to say, I don't understand, and I don't know anybody who did predict or, or really understands how it came about that President Obama, who spoke in his campaigns of the need for greater transparency and a promise of the most transparent government ever, has in reality conducted the most secretive uh, administration Ever, and that's uh, against some stiff competition here. Why he has prosecuted under the Espionage Act nine uh, leakers, nine people who disclosed or held un- uh, unauthorized information, compared to three under all previous presidents put together, of which I was the first, uh, three times as many. No one foresaw that, and it, it's, a, it's pretty hard to explain why he was doing that. More than George W. Bush. Who, are there like, more? Are there more? Well, are there more coming more forward, no. and that's why they're more being no, prosecuted? That's that's certainly not the case. And uh, why it would be that uh, he would he would prosecute use this act as if it were a British Official Secrets Act. Uh, he's done that more than any other president now, and the only one who's really done it. No other president has done that. Tried that more than once, and he's, as I said, is, is indicted nine cases under that. So uh, it's definitely not because there are more leaks uh, than before. So uh, that's something of a mystery, as I say. Now, but, but I uh, want to make it clear to listeners today that, that in your view, this isn't a partisan issue. You're, you're, not, you're not gunning for the Obama administration. You, you were an equal opportunity uh, critic over what Nixon was doing, what the Bush administration oh. <laughs> has done. I mean, you, this is you not aimed at... Yeah, if we don't tell people that, let me tell you, the media so polarizes these days, they jump on yeah. it and say, I, I can just turn the radio off. This guy is, you know, uh, uh, a spokesperson for the, the radical uh, right or the left, and I get this all the time. So, really? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, so well, I, I need to explain that, you you know, your your issue is with government transparency, and that is independent of any ideologies. It's uh, <laughs> This is a first for me, I have to say, uh, and been interviewed here for over 40 years, and it's the first time that someone has had to explain that I wasn't being critical as a Republican. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, that's, that's certainly the case. What I, with the Pentagon Papers, which came out under Nixon, uh, they mostly indicted the Democrats, you know, John Kennedy and Johnson before me, and indeed, uh, former Democratic Vice President Hubert Humphrey said to the Nixon White House, before I was revealed as the source, no good Democrat could have put out these papers because they they incriminated the Democrats so much. So I learned for the first time that I guess I'm not a good Democrat in that sense. Well, when I criticized Obama, 
I'm doing so as somebody who supported his his presidency twice in both elections. And you know, uh, I was always curious about why Nixon reacted the way that he did when, in fact, the Pentagon Papers were far more critical of the Johnson administration than anything else. So I I I just didn't understand. I didn't understand his response. Your release of the papers was not aimed at the Nixon administration. Well, yeah, uh, that's true. But uh, let me refer you back to what I said uh, earlier, which is unfamiliar to people. And uh, I think you hadn't drawn the implication of it. When it's, you're quite right in saying that not only did it mainly uh, incriminate the uh, or make the Democrats look bad, Nixon picked that up very quickly on the first day and said, well, this, this mainly, as Kissinger said to him, this mainly shows that it's a democratic war. And, yes. uh, uh, and it was good for him. And he liked having the Pentagon Papers per se, which ended in 1968. Uh, he liked those put out. In fact, he put some out himself, uh, leaked it himself to feed the fire. But um, what he did worry about <clears throat> was, in fact, that I had information that went beyond the Pentagon Papers as I and into his administration, as I did, mm-hmm. but not unfortunately not what he most feared. Uh, I didn't have, but it was reasonable for him, not paranoid really, to fear that I had information that he was might making threats of escalation, including threats of nuclear war against uh, North Vietnam that he didn't want the public to know about. That they would have objected and, and blocked these uh, these efforts. So uh, for that, he had to shut me up. Uh, and he didn't have a legal way to do that. I was on trial, but to uh, threaten me with blackmail and so forth, or to try to kill me or incapacitate me, was in those days illegal for a president and should remain illegal, I would say, but uh, it hasn't. So he had to take steps which, which were criminal and which opened him. Right. To, he was basically uh, preempting you coming forward with anything that would relate yeah, so to Yeah, so that answers your question. Yeah. You say, why was he so concerned? It was about uh, about what he was doing and the fact that he would have leaks on his, on his um, administration. And by the way, something that just came out yesterday struck me. Uh, as I've always said, uh, are there things that should not be leaked or you know, that are properly kept secret? Yes, I've always said that. And um, at the time, for instance, he was doing negotiations with China leading up to secret negotiations, leading up to his public uh, trip to China, mm-hmm. and felt he had to keep those secret. Well, I didn't leak those, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't have leaked those. So I said I didn't put out stuff on negotiations. Yes, well, that gets back to the fact that most whistleblowers, and, and I think this is certainly true of yeah. those that are being persecuted today, yeah. are, are very discriminating. And uh, I object to the fact that they're portrayed yeah. as reckless and anti-patriotic in some way. Uh, much of the information they release is, really has not been tied to uh, any direct threat to the United States. All right, we're going to take our final break, but stay right where you are. We're listening to the Costa Report. No matter what business you're in, what happens in Washington can make the difference between business success or failure. That's why understanding where government is headed is so important in today's competitive business environment. But where can you find experts who know firsthand the inner workings of our nation's capital? The American Program Bureau is your leading source for speakers whose experience offer unique insights into where U.S. policy is headed. Speakers like Seth Harris, former acting U.S. Secretary of Labor, Alyssa Mastromonaco, former White House Deputy Chief of Staff, and General Carl Eikenberry, former U.S. Ambassador to Afghanistan. For your next meeting or conference, contact the American Program Bureau at apbspeakers.com or 617-614-1600. That's apbspeakers.com. The American Program Bureau, making history one speech at a time. The holiday season is just around the corner, and I want to share one of my favorite tips for being able to avoid that last-minute dash to buy something that screams, I didn't put much thought into this. Now imagine a different scenario this year. Imagine the surprise on your loved one's face when they open the first page of the Watchman's Rattle and see a custom dedication in their name by the author. The best part is it's so easy. Just go to RebeccaCosta.com, do it right now, and click on the book cover and presto. In less than three minutes, you can request the inscription you want. 
So do it now. Go to RebeccaCosta.com. And this year, give an affordable, thoughtful gift that says, this is for you and only you. That's RebeccaCosta.com. Hi, Sam Quentin here for Shirt Crafters. I'm with Big Pete of Big Pete's Treats. And Pete, tell me how you came to Shirt Crafters. Well, I'm an edible cannabis confectioner, and my family business was starting to grow. We needed to design and print labels for our treats. Plus, we needed to employ T-shirts, business cards, and banners to display at trade shows. We called Scott Gold at Shirt Crafters, and he showed me how Shirt Crafters was my one-stop shop for branding my business. I'm sure glad I did. Shirt Crafters provides top-of-the-line custom screen printing, digital printing, embroidery, decals, stickers, banners, business cards, and so much more. So build your brand with Shirt Crafter, located at 111 Ingle Street in Santa Cruz, or go to shirtcrafter.com. Give them a call at 831-423-0537. That's Shirt Crafter, 831-423-0537. Money can't make you happy, but the lack of it can sure add a lot of stress to your life. Need help with your personal finances? Listen Thursday nights at 7 p.m. to Money Moves. Host Pamela Fugit Hedrick offers one hour of free tips and tools to help you manage your cash flows with her Money Moves. Each Thursday night, she discusses topics like how to prevent a complete personal financial meltdown, how to start a go-to fund for emergencies, provide ideas on how to cut back rather than cutting out some of your expenses, how to erase your debt load and financial stressors, how to find funding for your retirement, how the heck do you enroll to use health insurance, no more excuses. Money Moves can answer these questions and so much more. Tune in Money Moves with your host, Pamela Fugit Hedrick, Thursday night from 7 to 8 p.m. to work on your Money Moves. Back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and my guest today is Daniel Ellsberg. Now, I want to make the point, Mr. Ellsberg, that uh, every person who works for the government shouldn't immediately run out and start copying classified documents. Uh, that's not what you advocate. Um, so other than each individual's independent judgment, um, we seem to need some kind of a filtering process so that classified documents that should not be classified or kept secret uh, are allowed to come forward. So if a government contractor or employee is aware of wrongdoing today, what are their options? Well, the in terms of classified information, there are very few uh, protections. There are, there are no protections, let me put that more sharply, uh, against giving this information to the press in particular. In theory, uh, there is a process, and the president, and as well as Kerry, uh, Secretary of State Kerry and uh, Hillary Clinton, have Secretary of State, former Hillary Clinton, have both uh, pointed to, uh, along with Obama, that Snowden and others could have uh, gone through a regular process if they felt there was wrongdoing, as they did. But again, um, in this case, Snowden along with his colleagues in NSA, was well aware of what had happened to four of their former colleagues who did exactly what the president and Kerry and Clinton were calling for, uh, namely uh, Bill Binney. Who, uh, these were all absolutely top people at the top level of NSA and expertise. And they felt that the mass surveillance program was totally unconstitutional and illegal under domestic law as well as the Constitution, and totally counterproductive. And they were involved in trying to make more productive uh, programs work. So they went to the Inspector General of the NSA mm -hmm. and also the Inspector General of the Department of Defense. The NSA is under the Department of Defense. In both cases, got essentially no response, which is, is typical of this. Then they even went further and went to a committee of Congress and in classified basis revealed their concerns. And again, this was sat upon. And essentially, nothing happened except that they were suspected, wrongly, of being uh, the source 
of the leaks to the New York Times, for which the Times got the Pulitzer Prize later, of uh, revealing this uh, warrantless surveillance, although that was still without documents uh, at all. And the people who did those leaks uh, actually did have more effect in raising the issue and getting a debate about it than Benny and, and the others. But uh, uh, really, then Congress just proceeded to legalize it, essentially. As I say, they can't make it constitutional, but they can make a, a bid towards saying uh, we authorize this in 2006. It wasn't really till Snowden put out the documents that there have now been a number of proposals in Congress for reining in this process. But um, what Snowden realized was that the earlier process, no documents and going not outside the uh, classified versions, the uh, Congress and the IGs, was it possible to have any effect? So uh, I think that's going to remain, actually. Uh, it would be better to have make it clear that there should be a public accountability defense if you are charged. But even when it comes to being charged, the truth is that the government keeps secrets primarily not by the threat of prosecution. After all, when I say that there have been nine under Obama, how many uh, leaks have there actually been? Well, more or less authorized leaks, as the CIA did about the torture program we now know, mm -hmm. uh, was putting out uh, classified information in order to support the program. None of those are authorized. And you uh, are, uh, are prosecuted, I meant to say. They're authorized, in effect, at a high level, uh, as to the producers of Zero Dark Thirty. They were given a lot of classified information to support the program and, uh, and a falsely claim according to the Senate, that their uh, torture had been critical uh, in getting Osama bin Laden. The Senate report says that was simply untrue. What we do need is people recognizing that there can be enormous good, uh, benefit to the public, and averting great dangers, wrongful wars, and uh, unconstitutional actions, that an individual can achieve by revealing the truth, although that will almost surely have very harmful personal consequences, or at least the great risk of them. Uh, and uh, there are times when it's worth considering very high personal risk, quite apart from prosecution. Uh, the, the risks that keep most secrets, however wrongful, from being revealed are risks of losing your clearance, your job, your career, uh, very often your marriage as a result of these uh, these pressures. Whistleblowers commonly uh, uh, have the... Uh, well, the let's, let's just, you know, let's uh, punctuate that by saying their lives are ruined. Well, they're or that, ruined or, or greatly changed. Uh, yes, yeah, that, I, I mean, I, yeah, you know, no, yeah, no one yeah. wishes to have to flee their country. No one wishes no. to have to spend two years in a in a um, Ecuadorian uh, embassy uh, embassy compound. I mean, right. people don't. These, this is not the life that you think of when you think about a joyous, happy, peaceful life. Oh, and yet, I, I'm sure I know, having talked to these people. Uh, I just saw Snowden in Russia, as a matter of fact. They, would, they would do it all That's again. Right. They would do it again. That's right. And, and we're not, uh, this is not like Cheney, uh, I would torture people again in a minute if I had the opportunity. This is, I would tell the truth again. I would pay these personal costs, which, of course, Cheney has not been confronted with mm -hmm. for his admitted illegal acts. Yes. The acts he's admitted doing are, are criminal, but uh, he, he suffers no real risk from them. They knew they were suffering a risk, and the truth is, uh, when there's a war's worth of lives at stake, uh, it can be worth uh, facing that kind of risk. I, by the way, did not I did not have my life ruined. I'm the exception. It so happens. Yes, you are. Uh, and, uh, and that gives me great pleasure to have you on the program, because <laughs> I think if we have at least one exception, maybe, just maybe, some whistle, other whistleblowers will see that as uh, a sign of hope and, and perhaps come forward. Unfortunately, Mr. Ellsberg, that is all the time that we have left today. But before we close the program, I do want to take a, a moment to thank you for making time to be with us today and for your service to our country and your patriotism. Thank you, well, Mr. Ellsberg. 
Thank you very much. Thank you. If your station is leaving us after the first hour and you have a question or a comment to make about our interview with Daniel Ellsberg today, you can email me at RebeccaCosta.com or drop me a note on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. There's no question that whistleblowers have played an important role in our nation's history. And in many ways, uh, they're what stands between government wrongdoing and the public's responsibility to make the government accountable for that wrongdoing. But, but take a look at the price a person must pay to come forward. Every whistleblower risks charges of espionage, treason. Um, the, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a rough road. Uh, it seems to me we need a better way. I know you have some thoughts about this, so take a moment to send me your comments by going to our webpage at RebeccaCosta.com. That's myname.com. Um, all you do is click on the word contact at the top of the homepage, and it'll uh, take you right over to a page where you can leave your remarks, and I, I would love to hear from you. And if you missed the full interview with Daniel Ellsberg or any of our other guests, remember you can download previous episodes of the Costa Report from our website, Apple iTunes, Podbean, and the YouTube channel. And uh, be sure to check out our weekly radio blog which captures the headlines from each of these interviews. So if you are ever forced to miss a program, you can catch a quick synopsis of what our guests had to say in the radio blog. And while you're at our website, order your copy of The Watchman's Rattle while there's still time to get a custom dedication to someone that you love. It'll cost you less than $20. And I'm going to challenge you to find another gift that can be customized at that price. I don't think there is another one. And if you've done all your holiday shopping, we'll order a copy for yourself anyways. 100% of the proceeds of the book go to keeping quality interviews like the one you just heard with Daniel Ellsberg on the air. And I know that you care about the quality of the news you're getting. So do your part. Do it now. Just go to RebeccaCosta.com, click on the book cover, and order your copy of The Watchman's Rattle. My guest next week has the perfect story for the holidays. Author and historian John F. Ross is going to inspire us with the story of World War I ace Eddie Rickenbacker. You've all, you've all heard the name, but do you know the story? An American, he, he was an American hero who pushed the auto, automobile racing and aircraft speed and agility to their very limits. It is a page turner. Uh, there's so much more to this American hero than meets the eye, and John Ross is going to be here to tell us the story. Don't miss John Ross next week right here on the only weekly news program that puts policy ahead of politics. Once again, I want to thank our guest today, Daniel Ellsberg, for a remarkable uh, um, discussion on what this country needs to do to protect our nation's whistleblowers. Uh, I, I hope you enjoyed the discussion as much as I did. And uh, and what a remarkable individual Ellsberg has been through the years. He, he is an important part of our, of our history. Now stay tuned for a second hour of Straight Talk Radio. You're listening to the Costa Report. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.